Welcome to The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian. I'm the creator and host of The Bold Platform. Today we are recording from the beautiful Brisbane Square Library and I'm joined by Samantha from The Kindness Collective. Um, I'd love to introduce Samantha, but I think she probably can do a better job of that herself. Um, so let's get straight into it and welcome to The Bold Platform, Samantha. Thank you so much, Adrian. It's um, lovely to meet you. So tell us a little bit about the Kindness Collective. Um, so the Kindness Collective is an idea that kind of organically happened a couple of years ago uh, when I was in Cambodia. Um, there's probably a bit of a backstory behind all of it, but um, in general, what we're all about is making things kindly and with a purpose. So um, things that have been made by hand or with love and um giving back at the same time. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Okay. And what types of things do you produce in terms of your products? At the moment, we're so super small, but we're just doing t-shirts and kimonos. So we do have a little side brand called the Kindness Kimono, which is actually more of what we do at the moment. Um, But it's all stuff that's made in Cambodia by our small little team uh, with love. Oh, that's amazing. So kimonos and women's t-shirts? We've got women's, but we also have some men's t-shirts too. So we do that with a partner project, um, which is also in Cambodia too. Okay. And what's the name of that partner project? Dorsu. Okay. Yeah, right. And so the t-shirts, they're they're, um, like slogan t-shirts, aren't they? Yeah. So we've got one that says Be Kind because Mm -hmm. that obviously fits our brand. Um, We had a graphic designer in Brisbane help with do some, like do the designs for us. So there's uh, like a gold heart. Um, We've got um, Shine Bright. Um, They're just a few examples. Um, I'm a traveler, so I love travel. So there's one that says like Wanderer and Gypsy Soul, things like that. Awesome. Okay. So how did the Kindness Collective come to be? You mentioned when we were chatting before we started recording that you spent some time in radio, which is obviously very different to yeah. kimonos and t-shirts. So how did that come to be? Um, well, I, I worked in a radio station for close to nine years on and off. Um, there's a couple of times I'd left and then they're like, come back. And it was lovely. Um, <laughs> That's to go a nice back. compliment. Yeah. yeah. They were, they were a great bunch of people. And I think I spent, yeah, pretty much a third of my life there um, wow. up until I left. And then um, I just wanted to travel. i I Took, I took some time off, went overseas, and I've always been into travel. But then I saw this project in Cambodia and I said, okay, I really love this. I'm going over to, to do this. Um, and the project is actually called Global Village Housing. Okay. So we build and gift homes uh, to families in remote areas throughout Cambodia. Wow. And so I got involved with that um, and it's been my life for four years now. But while I was there, I was looking at the fashion industry and what was going on um, and the negative side of it, which is horrific. Um, so did a lot of research in that and then just thought, okay, well, how can I play a part in this? I have the op- option to do it um, or the opportunity, I should say, to mm. do that and had met people and it all just kind of organically came together. It was like as much as it was organic, it was still very challenging. Sure. Um, and so when you say sort of the negative side – Am I right in assuming you're referencing sweatshops and underpaid labor and things like that? So you could see the reality of that during your travels. Yep. Um, Cambodia is huge for producing like fast fashion. Mm. So your very big name brands, um, won't mention them. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But, um, you know, and a lot of them, a lot of the products actually come to Australia. So I tend to go, I, I actually don't like shopping centers um, mm. these days, but I'll go into a shopping center and be checking the tags of clothes and say, okay, yep, where that came from. Mm. Um, so I was researching a lot on 
uh, fast fashion and the impact of it. I was working with these families that were pretty much homeless in Cambodia and it just kind of all added up that, well, why don't we just do our own thing? And, um, you know, I was meeting people like Dorsu who were making their beautiful clothes uh, in Campot in Cambodia. Um, there's a few other brands as well. Um, I'm wearing earrings today by um, Khmer Creations. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, just seeing all these individuals creating things that yeah. were made kindly and going, okay, well, how can I bring this to market? Yep. So then we decided to make our own things and that's kind of how we got there. Okay, so you partnered with local people on the ground. You yeah. identified some people that could kind of run it for you how did that work obviously if you're living here in Australia in Queensland yeah so I spent over the last four years between Cambodia and Australia Mm -hmm. so I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to be able to pretty much live between both and you know I was seeing that people creating these beautiful products why not share theirs there's no need to go and make my own if they're doing that yes and then I met um a lady called Lisa who um is my business partner and her husband Sakol and now their sister Sakine as well so it's the four of us cool uh, and they're based in Phnom Penh okay and Lisa was actually working in a garment factory um underpaid horrific hours and we met through a friend and he actually said oh well this is Lisa this is what she wants to do um go to fashion school and create products and I said well that's that's really cool that's actually what I want to do mm. so Kevin was the friend and he was working over there and um sponsored Lisa to go to fashion design school mm-hmm. and then once she finished we then teamed up and created um our own business wow so that was did you say four years ago um about? close to four years ago that I first went to Cambodia and yeah. then that was um about two and a half years ago yeah wow so, yeah and so those original people that you connected with and now their partners are still in the business yeah. and their sister now and the husband yeah. so it's yeah. still that original team and just yeah. growing yeah we're just like a little family yeah. So, yeah so you've got yourself over here do you have other people here in Australia that help you in terms of the no, business it's, it's just me I have mm-hmm. I have a couple of friends that will help support things when you know when you're by yourself you're doing everything yes like yeah need help um yep. a couple of really good friends that have been behind me and yep. you know um help me actually get off the ground financially to sponsor yep. some sewing machines and product development as well um which is huge yeah not that it was like you know some people I guess are able to go and get a business loan and, sure. and just go all in but we have built from the bottom um up and we're still getting yeah there, so. that's amazing how lucky to have people that kind of so your vision, yeah. whether it was connecting you with Lisa or people here supporting you through yeah. product development and equipment um, so that you didn't kind of have to yeah, get into too much debt with banks and things yeah. like that. There's so many different ways, yeah. I guess, is the point yeah. I'm trying to make. There's so many different ways to yeah. get something off the ground and yeah. it doesn't – business loans are great and that's great for – yeah. You know, if that's the option you'd like to go down, but there's so many other Yeah. Well, I didn't options. really have that option being um, that I'd left my job and yes, was of by course. myself. And I was just really focusing on this project, yeah. um, the Global Village Housing, and, you know, just having my few friends that really went, okay, I can see what you're doing. Here you go. Here's some help with that. Oh. Um, but, yeah, it, it – it's, it was a massive, massive help. But, okay. um, and so talk me through, I guess, the impact that you that you know you have already had in terms of whether it's through the product sales or the jobs that you've been able to give people. Do you have, I guess, some sort of overview of the impact that the business has had so far? 
Um, well, I think just being able to have our small team not working in the garment factories and, you know, going at our own pace. We've got our own little mini workshop. It's mm-hmm. home-based. Um, but Lisa actually was able to have a child. Um, and so uh, he is now 15 months old or mm-hmm. 16 months old. So she could have him at home and still be there and just – changing their lifestyle for the better. Um, And then we also set up another sewing project, um, which is called the Sewing Sisters. Mm -hmm. And that's in a small rural village in Badambong, which is northwest of Phnom Penh. So Phnom Penh is where our factory is, or not factory, I should say workshop. Yeah. But all the main kind of garment industries are all based around Phnom Penh or down south. So the Sewing Sisters project, um, I was out on the housing project and – I met these two sisters and one was missing her bottom leg um, on uh, left side, I think. Mm-hmm. It was blown off in a landmine in 1992. Um, oh they God. were so – they had this tiny little hut. It was it was just very confronting. And, yeah. you know, we saw a lot of things with the project um, going around. And then the other sister, she actually has a um, disability where she can't physically stand up and walk. Um, so I met these two girls and I was like, okay, their, their life is so hard. And mm-hmm. – uh, they were around 38 and early 40s. They don't actually know their age because that's Cambodia for you. Um, birth certificates weren't a thing until I think somewhere in the 90s. I can't exactly remember. Um, so so it's kind of to comprehend, isn't it? It's a very different world over there um, to hear. Yeah. Um, but then some things, you know, it's, they're probably more yeah, advanced in other yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like Wi-Fi is actually better over there than That's here. That's not surprising. <laughs> and Australia no invented it. <laughs> Anyone listening that works with the MBN. Yep. <laughs> um, so I, I met them and they had this tiny little house and it was falling apart. Like you, you technically couldn't really call it a house. and But they had this sewing machine that a charity had given them to say, oh, well, here you go, here's a sewing machine. We can't actually work out who the charity was and where it came from, mm. but um, – one of them said, oh, I'll show you, I can sew. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And so I just, they just stuck in my head and I just kept calling them the sewing sisters because they both wanted their sisters and they wanted to sew. And um, part of the project, I work with this an amazing person called Chun Ban. He's a monk um, and him and I have become really close friends and have traveled all over the countryside together. And so Chun and I said, okay, well, what if we um, put the, together the Sewing Sisters project, um, I'll put together funding for the house um, through my networks, and then um, ongoing, we can set up a sewing business. So Chun spoke to the girls about it, and they were all in, loved it. Yeah. Um, so much so that we also, um, one of their other sisters, Ray, she's included now, and then a neighbor as well, Nah. So the four girls are the Sewing Sisters. I love her. And um, Bega High School um, down in Bega sponsored a house with our project too, and the sewing there too. So um, I was very lucky for all my friends and family to donate. Yeah. And we get gifted the house, and then and Big High School did the other one, and now um, that little black bag that is sitting you've, there that I've gifted yeah, you, beautiful um, gift that was made me. made by the girls. Wow, and yeah, I can see the little tag here, the sewingsisters.org. Wow. Yeah. So they're just incredible, and, like, they welcome me to their home and I stay there and, like, there's no power. Um, recently we just put a toilet in thanks to another project that we work with. Um, so, yeah, it's just that that, that was that was part of my whole thing about finding these individuals mm. who can can bring something um, to the table and then my job is there to get it out and share it with everybody else yeah. so and, and give them a, a good 
um, start. Yeah, so. and you are doing an amazing job. It's challenging. Like we've been talking it. for <laughs> 11 minutes and all of a sudden I'm like, and then this person, you help this person. I'm just like, my gosh. It's it's all support from my friends and family though. Like I couldn't yeah. do it without them. Um, yeah, and like the people that um, involved with the housing project, they've been a huge part of being able to go, right, well, um, you know, change, it's changed my life yeah. because I'm meeting these people and, and yeah. seeing these things. So. In a couple of the episodes that we've done, this whole topic of perspective has come up and, and all totally different stories from yours and none are, none are the same, but this theme of perspective keeps coming up and I think it's relevant again yeah. today, you know, even just things that you said. It's like, oh, yeah, we just got a toilet the other day and I'm like, oh, my yeah. God. And I'm, like, complaining like I've just flown into Brisbane and it's a little bit rainy. <laughs> rainy it's yeah. like, yeah, it's – yeah, it blows your mind, doesn't it? And how yes. grateful people yep. are for what they have, which when you compare it to what we have is so little, yep. but they're just s- still making the most of everything and every opportunity yep. that they've been given. It's yep. very impressive. Over the past four years when you've been working on these projects, what have been some of the biggest highlights for you that you kind of just go, that day will stand out forever for me? Um, I think – Obviously, meeting the girls like in the village in the Sewing Sisters in Bong to the day they got their house, and mm. but they it was like they didn't realize like this was theirs. Like it took them a while, I guess, to sink in. And so going back each time, like seeing the development. But a friend of mine, um, his name's Reem. He's in his early twenties. He was with me the day that I met the sisters, and then he came back maybe six months or a year later after they had the house, and he turned around to me and he said, "Wow, I can't believe the difference." And for him. Um, you know, and he had a struggle growing up with his life and the stories that he has to tell, you know, mm. really hit, hit you hard. Mm. Um, but when he said that to me, I was just like, wow, like, thank you. Like, that's really nice to hear. Yeah. And for somebody else to have picked that up yeah. and, and yeah. to have noticed that significant yeah. difference in yeah. those women and, and yeah. their personalities and their lives and their yeah. demeanor. Yeah. And they've been able to meet so many of my friends that have been coming over to Cambodia and doing things with me. And, you know, we go there and they make us food. It's amazing. So one day I, I can't cook. I'm a terrible cook, but I thought, what can I bring that I can make for the girls? And this is like on a fire pit thing. Um, I brought like those shake pancakes. So we just add oh, water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they do have these little coconut um, or rice flour pancakes that they were making me. So I thought, I'll bring pancakes that I can make. So we sat there in the little hut making pancakes, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just a really nice bonding experience to be able to give them something back like they were making me food and I thought, okay, I need to make them something. So. <laughs> and I'm not a good cook either. Pancakes in a container yep. definitely count as cooking I'll have yep. you know yep. so, yeah. I was just thinking as I was saying that people are probably judging me going oh no, no that, that totally counts as cooking yeah we put some banana and honey on top too there you go lovely, so. <laughs> and on the flip side of that what are some of the days that kind of stick out to you and if you feel comfortable saying where you just kind of maybe think this is just a bit too much and I don't know if I'm cut out to do this anymore and you know just like hurdles that you might have come up against uh to be honest financially is the biggest like hurdle like right um you know not having a full-time job and and I do have work on the side and I do different things but having that stability and that's probably the most um of it like not Mm -hmm. being able to have 
that regular income and going, okay, I've got to make sales this week and this is what we've got to do to be able to make sure that we stay afloat. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest challenge and that's like any small business. So it's just a part of it, um, whether whether it's a project like we do or whether it's a business that's um, a coffee shop or something like that. It's just making ends meet mm. um, and some weeks it's very challenging, but you've got to stick through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good point. And you're right. It's the same for everybody. Yeah. It just, I guess the difference for people like you is you know where that money is going. Yeah. So obviously the more you have, you know the more impact yes. that you can make. So yeah. then I guess there's that added level of pressure in that or perceived pressure perhaps yeah. that people are relying on that, yeah. Yeah. you know, through you, yeah. that that income. You travel a lot. You've mentioned you've got different things on the side to to help you run the business. Yeah. Um, you've got people over there relying on you. How do you take care of yourself to make sure that you can keep doing all this great work and that you don't burn out um, and, you know, just become not able to work? Um I think the water, like going and sitting in the water. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I've, so I've got family at Pottsville, which is uh, about 30 minutes north of Byron. So it's actually an hour and a half from Brisbane. Okay. And so I just go and crash there and yep. hang, hang in the water and just taking that time out to relax. Yeah. But I just love spending time with friends and family. Like I don't really watch TV, mm-hmm. love movies on the plane um, mm-hmm. when I do head over to I was going to say you'd be clocking up the frequent flyer yeah. points. Yeah. yeah. But um, – I'm very savvy with travel though. I, I'm always really good at trying to find the best deal and the best path in the mm. quickest time. So my friends come to me for travel advice, <laughs> which <laughs> I love. Moonlight is a travel agent yeah. on the side. Um, I, I couldn't do that as a job. <laughs> Just so. to get both your back. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I, I'm lucky. I've got the support of my family and friends. Like I um, have, I actually live with my auntie. So um, it's great because being between here and there, there's no point having my own place at the moment. Of course. So yeah. um, she gets to put up with me when I'm home and then my dog lives with her as well. Um, and then I just go and take some time out down the coast by the water or I do actually like walking and hiking and animals. Like that's my chill time. Okay. Not into meditating. I can't sit still long enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned um, a little bit earlier that you've got some different things that you do on the side to maintain a, a flow of income. Do you want to share a little bit about what some of those things are? Yeah, yeah. So – Obviously, I said before that I worked um, in radio years ago, not on air, um, but I, while I was working there, a friend of mine was doing her marriage celebrant course and she said to me, I think I was 23 at the time, she said, you should do it too. And I was like, oh no, I'm too young. Like, Who wants to get married by a young person? And she was a few years older. And then I went, oh, hang on a second. There's actually a bit of a gap in the market and took that up as an idea. And um thought, oh, I'll ask my friends, you know, if you were getting married, would you would you let me be a wedding celebrant? And they all said, yes, that would be brilliant. Mm. So I signed up to do it, did the course, really enjoyed it. And then it's nine years next month um, since I actually did the course. Wow. And, and, and I don't know, actually registered as a celebrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done hundreds and hundreds of weddings. It just organically happened that way. Wow. So... I think because my friends used to always go to me for dating advice and I was always good at matchmaking couples, that that's where that came from. It's a natural progression. <laughs> yeah. And then it just it just stuck. So I occasionally do weddings still when I'm in Australia, um, mm-hmm. when I'm not in Cambodia. Yes. Yeah. Which is fun. Um, I've got one tomorrow actually. Wow. So, which is really nice. That's awesome. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. And so you've got obviously the business and the income from that, but that's mainly a give back. And then you've also got 
the marriage marriage celebrate business yeah and then I have done a few things for friends as well with their different projects and business um, which has been great experience like one of them have a beautiful brand um, it's an e-commerce based brand and so I was in there um, working with them for a while and it was great because it gave me the skills that I needed to be able to you know what packing orders making sure that I was doing right and mm. you know which was great so yeah yeah so you live with your auntie and your little fur baby here in Brisbane is that right yes it is so I don't have any children of my own mm-hmm. um my dog's about 15 and a half and yeah she's my little best friend mm-hmm. um I've never really been to maternal myself um got friends with their kids and love them I love being that um cheeky auntie yes that gets away with doing the naughty things so yeah yep. mum said you couldn't do that don't listen to her it's fine <laughs> just do we'll it get and away I won't tell anyone yeah yeah yep. um but I don't I don't know if I'll ever have my own children um if I meet someone and it works out it works out mm. but um I've never been one to worry about that uh however I grew up um watching my friends and and family um go through a lot of trouble having children and um thought that I'd share anyway that I have actually been an egg donor a couple of times now yeah right okay so you do that here in Australia yes yeah okay so through a local clinic or something like that yeah so one of the uh, it's got such a great reputation um I did a lot of research in that um but if you backtrack a little bit um, a big influence behind that was a family member of mine. She, in the 90s, went through a lot of um, IVF cycles and wasn't successful. She ended up adopting two children from South Korea who are um, my beautiful cousins now. And so um, it was my auntie and not the one I live with mm-hmm. to make it all complicated no, with the family okay. tree here. Yeah. Um, but she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer in 2010 and she passed away on Christmas Day in 2017, mm. which was um, – she was the nicest person you would ever meet, like yeah. absolutely incredible human and has been a massive influence to everything that I've done um, with the Kindness Collective and any of my projects. Um, yeah. But watching her go through that, I was about – must have been, you know, in primary school, seeing her go through the IVF and what was going on um, – opened my eyes up, then seeing friends and family as I was older um, going through that and thinking, okay, um, you know, what are the options out there for these people? And I have this um, awesome friend in New Zealand and she's actually donated quite a few times and and because I was aware of it, I was watching what she was doing, I sat down and I spoke to my auntie um, in the last probably two years um, of her being around and saying, okay, well, what are your thoughts on this? And then um, she was all for it and completely back to me. And I think, you know, before she passed away, I said to her, right, well, I've made the appointment. I'm going to the doctor to talk about it and go from there. And then it just happened. So, um, yeah, twice now I've donated and I totally am open about it because I want to encourage other people to do this. It's, you know, it's so much easier for a guy, you know, you have a few counseling sessions and they do all your genetic testing and everything like that. And then you go in and you do your thing and it's done. In terms of sperm donation. Yep. Yep. But when it comes to a female, obviously you go through an entire cycle of IVF by having all of the medication, the drugs, the day surgery to do the egg retrieval and everything from there. But as a donor, you don't have that, um, emotional attachment or pressure um, of a relationship to you be able to. You haven't felt that? No, no. Yeah, right. You know, you still have the hormones going in, in you and, and you don't, you want to make sure that you deliver the goods um, and make sure that there's a successful result for this couple. But I think it's a practical thing for me. I was, you know, always very practical about it. Mm. So. 
I'm sorry that you lost your auntie. That's obviously a really hard thing to go through, especially given how much of a massive influence that she's been on your life. And I hope it's not too, not my place to say that I'm sure she's super proud of everything that you've done because it's, you, you're having a massive impact. <laughs> I'll get emotional. <laughs> You are, you're having a massive impact on couples and the community in Cambodia and it's, yeah, it's a, a massive honour to get to spend the morning with you. Thank you. Um, we're just having a little a little moment here in the <laughs> Brisbane Square Library. And a no, little, we're looking at a little fishbowl too, so I must be thinking, what are those girls doing in there with those microphones? Yeah. If there's anyone listening that is thinking about maybe starting up a business and thinking, um, you know, they want to have a business, but they want there to be some sort of community or give back component like you have done. Have you got any advice or, or tips or things that you've learned that you think you want to pay that little tidbit forward to other the other women and girls that may be thinking about that? Um research, like think about what you're passionate about, research the market and see what um you know, if you've got something that you think that could work, um, but it's it, networking, talk to people, um, but just start, like just do something mm-hmm. and then it might not work, but go to the next thing or it might lead you somewhere else because um, kimonos, like I can't sew a button to save my life. I can't sew anything. And, you know, my auntie passed away. She was the most incredible person with a sewing machine and she had the patience to try and teach me, but I just I didn't have that skill and my mother can't sew either, so I blame her for Put this. Put that in the cooking, <laughs> the cooking and sewing yeah, pile. Yeah, I, I, I have my mother's skills, which is like no cooking and no sewing, um, Whereas my, and my granddad's the same, but, yeah, yeah. my um, auntie was just incredible at that stuff. So, you know, I have the skills where I can meet people and share what um, Lisa and Sakina are making mm. or what Mao and Sun are making in Badambong, like going and telling their story and about, you know, bringing their products to market. That That's my job. Yep. So as much as I'm not the person, I've got the creative ideas, I can't actually do the skills, but working out how I can work with someone else, you know, that's probably the way to go about things. Yeah. You know. It's such a good lesson in terms of knowing what you're good at yep. and knowing when to ask for help yep. or to outsource. And I think that also allows then for it to stay a passion and to for you to be in love with it for as long as possible because you're not doing all those kind of shitty jobs that you think I'm not good at things yeah. and that makes you question and doubt yourself yeah. or this is not my skills and it's taken me away from, you know, in your case, the networking and the connecting and the sharing of stories and letting this thing grow. It's such an important lesson, I think, especially for women and girls to know when it's okay to ask for help, like to yeah. ask for help, when to know to ask for help. And it's not, you're not admitting defeat. Yeah. You're just utilizing someone else's area of expertise so that you can yeah. do your bit. It's yeah. really, really good yeah. advice. And it took me a while to actually ask for help too yeah. sometimes, but you just have to do it. And yeah, yeah you know, the other week I had to ask for help for something and I felt like, oh, I can't, I can't ask for help. I've got to do this myself. Mm. And I, in the end, I just asked and I got the help I needed, which Good was great. Um, and I'm so thankful for it. Yeah. So, and next time you'll be like, I know to ask for help for this yep. and do it that yeah. little bit sooner each time. Yeah. But yeah. then also making sure that you are, you are giving back at the same time. Like, yes. You know. Yeah. And that you're helping other people yeah, yeah. in exchange for that yeah. help that you're getting. Yeah, yeah. definitely. If people want to find out 
about your amazing story or support the business, buy a kimono, see how they can help, you know, if they're interested in going over to Cambodia or anything like that, how can they contact you? Where's the best place to find you on online? Um, So I just have a general website, which is samanthatownend.com. So there's no S in my surname. Okay. Just like Townend. Yeah. and then so on there, I've got like the Global Village Housing Project. We do the Kindness Collective um, and the Kindness Kimono. Okay. Um, or you can go straight to thekindnesscollective.com mm-hmm. and that will link you to um, the, the sewing project and everything as well. And so. that's where people can also purchase yep. the kimonos and the yeah. T-shirts we talked about. That's yep. awesome. I'll put all those details um, in the show notes so that people can click straight through. Um, thank you so oh, much you. for coming and meeting me this morning. I as I mentioned to you before, I try not to do too much research so that I can find out about people's story and just let the conversation flow as it goes. And today's a perfect example of, I think, why that works in terms of the podcast because I thought kimonos, they make kimonos and then they donate a bit back to a sewing community in Cambodia. But you you and your business is so, so much more and it's amazing. I'm really grateful for you coming and spending the morning with me. Thank you so much. As Samantha said, um, you can find them at samanthatownend.com or thekindnesscollective.com. If you think um, there's someone in your world that would love to hear Samantha's story and support the amazing work that she's doing both here and in Cambodia. Feel free to share this episode with them and we will be back um, in your feed with a new episode in the next few weeks. Thanks so much for tuning in and thank you, Samantha. Thank you so much.